Good morning, Arizona homeowners. Why don't you walk around the side yard here with me and see what we got going on in our outdoor living hour. We have a wonderful program packed full for you with some great guests today. If you have a question, no matter what station, any of our six great affiliates throughout Arizona that have us tuned in, the universal call-in number is one 767 4348 That's one 888 for you if you'd like to join the conversation. You can also text questions to 411-923 or if you need to send a picture for plant or insect identification, we can help you with that as well. Just send that to info at rosyonthehouse.com. Mr. Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice is here with us. And aside from being extremely dry, could you ask for prettier weather than this? I mean, the degree swings from the, the 30s and high 30s, 40s to, to maybe mid 70s. That's what more could you ask for? Pretty great weather for golf, tourists, and growing stuff. You know, working in the yard. It's uh, it's it's amazing weather. Our 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 landscapes, winter lawns still look really. You know, nobody's had a little yellow out because we haven't had any frost. I understand we might have a little rain in the forecast, which would make this a great weekend to get some fertilizer down, get some pre-emergent down. But uh, outstanding weather for as far as the Chamber of Commerce is concerned. As far as uh, how dry it is, we could darn sure use some rain. So hopefully January will bode better than what we've had in the last couple of months. Um, and, and usually this is going into a wetter time, mid-December to through January and February is a great time for usually moisture. So you want to make sure that you are continuing to fertilize and continuing to water some. I mean, you certainly need to water a half to a fourth as much as you were this summer. But, you know, things like pots and containers that are above ground are still going to dry out pretty fast with this dry weather, uh, even though it's cool. So make sure you've adjusted, but make sure you continue to, to water if needed. And we have two special guests in studio with us as well. We have uh, next year's Rosie's 30th anniversary, and we really wanted to give back a big thank you for 30 for our, uh, our to our nonprofit partners. And St. Vincent de Paul has built this incredible uh, community garden. We brought him down here to talk about it this morning. Mr. Dave Smith, what what a what a a, a miracle you've put together on Watkins and Fourth Street on. I, that's 17, right? The Durango Curve, you're, you're south of 17? That's correct. Yes, about four years ago, we identified some overflow parking space in the back of our property, and we decided to just throw a few garden plants in the ground because our dining room is right there that serves 4,500 meals five days a week to five dining rooms and uh, 16 nonprofits around the valley. 4,500 meals a day? Yes, that's correct. So anything that we can do to, plus we have a million dollar food budget. So the idea was to uh, add some fresh fruits and vegetables to the diet of our clients and help with the budget and uh, give our clients and our uh, volunteers uh, an exciting and fun and uh, place for learning uh, to how to, on how to do this. And, and rip it, up it, asphalt. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's prettier than it's ever been right now. It looks great. I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, the volunteers really showed up and, and took it from fence line to fence line. 
So we now have three gardens uh, over about three acres, and we did about 45,000 pounds of food last year, and we hope to you know, bump it up a couple or maybe 20,000 more this year. What kind of food? Well, every kind of, of green uh, uh, type of vegetable that you would have you, that you'd expect. So we have um, uh, kale and various lettuces and broccoli, cauliflower, uh, onions, garlic, uh, beets, carrots. Uh, in the summertime, we'll do a lot of cucumbers, uh, uh, melons, cantaloupe, uh, watermelons, uh, various Middle Eastern uh, type uh, of 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 vegetables, the things that do well in this climate, uh, okra, um, that, and that kind of thing. And it all immediately goes into the kitchen. Now, we also, start, a couple of years ago, started a hydroponic unit under a greenhouse where we have 1,200 tilapia fish that are fertilizing uh, a 72-foot-long garden uh, grow bed. So we're getting about 10 crops a year of various kinds of lettuce and basil and arugula and so forth that also goes to the dining room and as well as the fish uh, some of them are over three pounds now and um, they've some of them have gone into the dining room and a few have gone to some restaurants and recovered some costs but we're having fun uh, the, f- the fish water also goes out to the to the fields uh, onto the beds and then those plants really take off and grow like crazy Jay you're you're a fisherman. What, what what would somebody pay to go p- catch a three pound tilapia <laughs> without having to drive up to the rim? I think there's another opportunity in here for you guys. You won't even have to go get the fish. You could charge five bucks per tilapia. I'll tell you, they, I can tell you, I have a granddaughter. I've taken her to some of those fishing places, and it can it can run you a bill in a hurry catching big fish. It's, and they don't put any little fish in those things. They're all two and three pounds. You know it. it Romy's always it, it, thinking. It's, Romy. an ama- it's an amazing setup. And I was had the privilege of spending a half hour with David Smith, the master gardener we're visiting with at the garden this week. And I took a little video and I put it on our Facebook page. You can, if, you want, if you're curious about what they're talking about, there's pictures of that greenhouse with the aquaponics in it. There's pictures of the compost pile, all kinds of stuff. So you'll enjoy being able to follow along and see what we're talking about. So the fish live happily in this little pond. For a time being. And they do what they do, and they create fertilizer for the vegetables until they get big enough to make a nice filet. I mean, mean, and then once you filet, then the rest of the fish goes back in the... I mean, it's like a zero-waste operation. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're about. I love the efficiency of that whole concept. And something we didn't even know until just a few moments ago, coming full circle back to the Farms Choice, y'all are going to be there cooking next week as well. well. All of Hickman's, just not the Farms Choice, but yeah. The whole operation. Correct. So what, what will they be putting on that day? Is, is Clint going to be out there in his sous chef hat with a... Scrambling eggs, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he knows how to cook an egg. <laughs> but then we'll compost all of those eggshells back into our operation. Excellent. There you go. Full circle. So we've got uh, two master gardeners with some aquaponics references and a whole uh, open line for you at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Now this seventy two foot aquaponic isn't something that the average homeowner can take and put in their backyard. 
how much space do you need to get some kind of aquaponic going? Because that's, that's always fascinated me, and we've always wanted to put some kind of water feature and living pond in, and, but you know, utilizing that whole space is what, what kind of room do we need to pull off something like that? Well, we actually do have a demonstration model that's much smaller that only takes up maybe uh, eight foot square. There are some uh, commercial ones available on the internet, and I think it's kind of a developing industry where people want to grow outdoors, indoors, uh, a little bit of herbs, um, lettuce, and so forth. And now uh, you can even use your tropical fish uh, waste to, to grow your plants. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of creative things going on that people can avail themselves of uh, to have the fun of both, uh, you know, watching your fish grow as well as um, using them efficiently to, to help grow some usable plants. Now, tilapia seem to be the most popular to put in, but I really like carpi. Okay, can I put some other varieties other than tilapia in? <laughs> you can, yeah. It's just tilapia can take the warm weather and the warm water during the summer. So that's kind of a – but we are looking at other species like uh, barramundi from Australia, which is coming onto menus now at various restaurants. We might do freshwater uh, shrimp. So uh, this can go a lot of places. How deep would I have to dig to put trout down there? <laughs> to put trout? <laughs> well, I don't I think you could, I don't think you could go deep enough here in the summertime. You could have them. You could have them in the winter. They stock our urban lakes with trout all winter long. But um, you know, catfish. You could. You could do. Um, obviously, tilapia. You could do carp or koi or goldfish or you know those are great warm weather and even those you know i mean from a landscape pond water feature standpoint for for those fish you need to be about 18 inches deep or so and have some ability for the fish to get in the shade which is then the plants floating on top of the water growing it would shade the fish uh, from the hot summer sun cool the water also keeps your string algae down from having so much sunlight penetrating the water if you've got some shaded surface area it's a whole ecosystem that you would uh, i just see the kids playing with year-round instead of just a pool or a few months in the summer and you still got to maintain you know this built right could you know, just be year-round entertainment you don't need to put chlorine in it you well, don't need to scrape it you don't need to no, backwash it um you know you can have you know you'll have all kinds of aquatic and and insects, butterflies, uh, dragonflies, hummingbirds. You know, you, you put water in the desert, and you attract a lot of wildlife, and a lot of it's it's kind of kind of cool. Plus, the things that are in the water, the fish and the snails and the you know other things that you can have is, is a lot of fun. Might even end up with some kestrels circling around if you do it right. Well, you'll have herons. You'll have herons. <laughs> herons are the great enemy of a, somebody that's growing expensive tropical fish in their pond. <laughs> they think you did all that work just for them, <laughs> exactly. and they got all day to sit out there and wait for it. Yeah. Funny you should mention it. We did have a pair of kestrels hanging around our garden this past spring, and a pair of roadrunners as well. So it does. He's right. It does attract uh, wildlife. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. We have John who wants to talk about a fruit orchard. We've got a couple lines in queue that are in the process of being screened, and one open line still at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you, we'll get right to the calls after our after this. But before we go anywhere, you're waving at me. It's my fault. 
I disregard that wave. Oh. <laughs> so don't don't take him to an auction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was off by an hour. Oh, Oops. okay. All right. We'll be back. In studio with Jay Harper of the Farmer's Choice and Dave Smith and John Junker from St. Vincent de Paul. Dave Smith kind of runs the community garden and aquaponics center there, and a little bit more of of your history. You're a master gardener, and uh, we'll get we'll get into a little bit of, of your background. But first, we've got John on the line who wants to jump in and join us. If line one will open for me, hey, good morning, John. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, I volunteer at Manistee Ranch, which is a 100-year-old ranch that the Sands family used to own, and there's an orchard in it. And in the last five or six years, the mulberries have been overtaking the orchard, and they're growing within inches of the trunk of all the fruit trees. So every year we cut them down. Now the trunks are getting so big, or the stumps, how do I kill the mulberry trees without damaging the citrus trees? Whoa. Um, well, you would have to do a, you'd have to actually cut the mulberry tree off and apply directly to that remaining stem or stump, something like undiluted Roundup. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and you just dab it on with a, with a sponge or a paintbrush or something like that so you don't get it around or on the leaves or on the system of the desirable for the uh, citrus trees. That would be the only way that I would know, with short of being very careful and digging them up. But if they're that close, you start trying to dig them out, you're going to probably damage roots of the citrus trees would be my guess. We appreciate the call, John. Hope that helps. Hey, <clears throat> I've yeah, it's trees that old, you don't want to damage the root systems. A younger one could probably bounce back. but Well, I'm, I guess the question is, too, if these citrus trees are 100 years old, how productive they are at this <laughs> point. So, you know, it, when you get to the point where you need to start replacing trees, that would be a great time then to go in and get rid of any of the other shoots and, and root systems of some of these non-desirables like mulberries. Are you familiar with Manistee Ranch? I have heard of it. I, I I'm trying to place where it's at exactly. It's so. in Glendale. It's like 67th Avenue. It's it's an old homestead. Yeah. It's not the one on 43rd and Northern, is it? I think it's farther west than farther that. Farther west. Okay. Well, let's get... Oh, we're not going to get to Ed. We're, we're going to... Okay, Ed's got a question on aquaponics. We're going to see how we can help him on this beautiful Saturday morning. Ed, welcome to the program. I saw a, a news story about hydroponics uh, in the University of Arizona magazine. Uh, a company out of Austin, Texas, has made a deal with the Biosphere um, to use one of the buildings at the Biosphere down there in Oracle. They're going to grow vegetables. It was a big financial deal. They're going to grow vegetables in, in a water solution in one of the buildings at the Biosphere. And I thought that was an interesting news story. Well, that's certainly part of this trend uh, toward urban farming is the wider term, where you're seeing it all over the country, really, in major cities, sometimes in old industrial buildings, uh, using LED lights uh, or in using natural light uh, like we do. Uh, there's many different applications for uh, doing 
um, hydroponics, which simply is uh, fertilizer and water. There's no animal waste involved. Uh, and growing various uh, green plants, and it's locally grown. You know the inputs. You know the farmer. I mean, it's got all those attributes that people go to farmer's markets for. So, yeah, it's a growing uh, part of the I wouldn't say it's large yet, but it's on its way to becoming something substantial in our food system. Do you have y'all ever made your way down to the biosphere? That's one place I have had every time I drive. I see this side. Oh man, I forgot to schedule time to go tour the biosphere. I have not. I have not. One interesting story, though, quickly with the biosphere. My understanding is they were having a problem with the with some of the plants, trees, large growing shrubs standing up getting strong enough and they realized that because no there's wind. no wind inside the biosphere that the trunks never strengthened up so they had to actually create some air movement in some of those areas to to allow the so that they could get build the, the strength up off of their off of their trees i thought that was pretty pretty interesting very interesting we'll have to coordinate that a a biosphere broadcast somehow into into 2018 that's that sounds like a pretty incredible place, and the pictures of it are just can't help but capture the imagination of of what's inside there. So one of one of the great things we have here in the great state of Arizona. You had mentioned lawn fertilizing earlier, and as we uh, wrap up this second segment here, what should our watering schedule be? And if we're going to fertilize ahead of any rain that may be coming, what? Is, is it the same stuff I can pull out that I use that I've left over from summer? Or does the winter lawn, does the rye need a different type of? Well, cold soil temperatures are not as accepting of fertilizer. The fertilizer isn't as is, uh, readily available because microorganisms that are breaking it down in the soil are just slowed way down because it's the soil has gotten cooler or cold in some instances. So, fertilizers that are easier to break down, a lot of times we'll use something that has ammonium nitrate in it. Um, like turf royale, um, will be more more readily available in the colder temperatures. When it gets to a heaviness, and what we want people to do is get lawns fed so they don't yellow out. When when we get a frost, things will get yellowed out. If you're using organic fertilizers on a regular basis, so every month or six weeks, even those will continue to be available uh, as the microorganisms in the soil work. More with John Harper of Farm's Choice and Dave Smith of St. Vincent de Paul uh, Community Garden. And Chris wants to join the conversation talking about pre-emergent. And welcome back to the Outdoor Living Hour of Rosie on the House with a studio full of guests. I'd like to bring in one of the special guests now, Mr. John Junker, who's director of Vicentian Support Services. So, like, that's a big job in an organization that big, even oh. if I can't pronounce it. Oh, sir, I don't know how big a job it is, but it's a privilege. I get to work with uh, our Vincentians all over central and northern and western Arizona. Our Vincentians are about 3,500 members or so who who have taken a class and made a commitment to participate and help their uh, fellow uh, human beings uh, by being involved on a real regular basis in a very specific way to uh, extend charity to others. And we have incentions in uh, 83 chapters or conferences of charity across the state, and they operate on a neighborhood basis. And uh, 
I got to tell you, they're incredible people, and they really make a difference in uh, the quality of our community. I mean, it it is an organization driven by volunteers. That says it all, sir. Um, you know, we we talked about uh, uh, Dave Smith's uh, our efforts with the urban farms and and all that going on, and it's well over twelve thousand people a year involved in our effort to uh, uh, to feed, clothe, house, and heal. And that starts with our board of directors and Steve Atwood, our uh, our president of our board, uh, all volunteers, uh, all of our conference presidents at 83 conferences around uh, the state, um, all of our district presidents, and the, and just the average Vincentians who are out. Uh, really, their 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 key card calling card is making home visits to serve those because we do it on a local basis, so they know. Uh, what's going on from the bottom up in their community and who needs the help. And then at our campus uh, on, on uh, Watkins Street in Phoenix, our Dan O'Meara campus, uh, we have the big projects going on like our five dining rooms, our Osna Manor Shelter, our medical and dental clinics, Dave's Urban Farms, uh, all those kinds of things. So it's really the, I guess I'd say, the two arms of St. Vincent de Paul that are able to embrace the uh, people and and give people a chance to serve and help others. Well, I tell you what, our the Romero's personal experience with St. Vincent de Paul is we get at our office phone calls all week long. And and a fair number of those calls are people in a fix one way or another. Plumbing systems are broken, air conditioning systems are broken, roof is leaking, no resources available to repair them. And uh, my wife uh, developed a relationship with your wife, and Jennifer just calls Miss Susan and says, I've got this situation. And Susan says, we're on it. We're on it. And, it, I mean, it's just a fabulous commitment to the community. And St. Vincent de Paul is celebrating, what, 70, 80 years? Over 70 years. We're 71st year now. And it's, it really is a very, very community-based grassroots uh, arrangement, starting with our conferences of charity Again, 83 of those, and we're, we're, we hope we're on our way to 90. Um, but I, I got to tell you, it's so nice of you to say that and so kind of you to say that, so gracious of Miss Jennifer to, to get the Romero clan involved. Um, and it really is about building relationships person to person and serving the community, um, irrespective of anyone's background or religious calling or any of that. All we do is want to serve and help people, and uh, the basis of that is our Vincentians, uh, all over the state of Arizona. They, they are incredible people. Well, John, before we go back to the calls and, and back to Dave and his aquaponic story and stuff, t- there's an excellent way folks that don't have the time to volunteer can help support St. Vincent of all, especially right now. You know, Rosie, that's a great point, and it's really easy. In fact, it's not only easy, it's free. It, it You know, the state of Arizona, we're really blessed with, with how um, our a public sector has lined up to support charities and educational institutions all over the state, and that's the tax credit. And and there is a, uh, a working poor, there's different ways to express it, but there's a tax credit uh, that supports uh, groups like ours that, that are involved in social services. And that tax credit, that means if you're paying state income tax in the state of Arizona, uh, it goes directly to your comes directly from your taxes, and you don't have to pay that tax. Now, nothing against Governor Ducey, but I can either write the check to the state of Arizona, or I can write exactly the same dollar amount of check to St. Vincent de Paul. I and, and, and it counts as my tax liability. 
and our public sector leadership, <laughs> to their credit, Arizona's really on the on the vanguard of directing those dollars to qualified groups. And St. Vincent de Paul certainly is one of those. There's many others, but we're here talking about our work today. And it can be $400 for an individual, $800 for a, a couple filing jointly. And uh, I got to tell you, it's something that really is profound to help our work because it does not cost the individual assent if you're paying those uh, state income taxes. And as well, if you file before 31 December, uh, you also get credit on your federal return. So it's a it's double-barreled help, and it's really a, a great way. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know, they'll say, oh, I, I, I'd love to help you at St. Vincent de Paul, but I already gave to my, my kids or my grandchildren's uh, school or whatever. The school is separate. You can do the school support also, as well as this one, to assist social services agencies that are qualified like St. Vincent de Paul. So uh, it's something that's so easy, and it's really, really simple. The state has done a wonderful job of making it accessible for people, and all they need to do is uh, go to uh, uh, charitytaxcreditaz.com. That's our site. Go on, Go online. It's very simple. Uh, you can make your donation. Then when we receive your donation, you'll get an acknowledgement from us uh, mailed to you that's that's the document that affirms of what you, what you gave, and you use that in any preparer or any tax form that you're doing in the state. It's really simple and straightforward as to how you go ahead and claim that and get get back your 400 or 800 plus you you help us in a way that I'm, I must tell you, so important to the 4,500 meals a day, to the to the service of our Vincentians in 83 neighborhoods around the state, uh, to our medical and dental clinic that's doing uh, between 12 and 15,000 appointments a year, and all those services, maybe for people who uh, just need a break and need a need a little helping hand to get going again to to make things the way we want them all be in the holidays uh, in our homes. Well, John, I can't thank you enough for coming down and joining us. And we try and commit one program here close to the end of the year to kind of raise a spotlight on those charities that we Romero's have become endeared to over the years. And St. Vincent de Paul is certainly one of those. Thanks a million for your time. You were talking about the 4,500 meals. We've got Mr. Dave Smith here, the master gardener, who's raising 42,000 pounds of food a year. Does that count the fish or is that just the vegetables? Uh, that counts everything. That counts everything, <laughs> right. It's serving 4,500 meals a day. A day. And you could use volunteers and and you're going to teach them the tactics and techniques and the tricks of gardening for raising that kind of produce aquaponically right there on the campus. Uh, yes, we take pride in teaching, um, whether it's uh, school children, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, young adult groups, ASU uh, uh, students, um, garden club members uh, have all been down, and uh, we just love to hold classes and, and kind of show and tell and do uh, what we do, uh, plant, harvest, weed, whatever, right there on the spot. So you're exactly right. one 4348 That's one 888 on the house to join the conversation. And as we bring Chris in who wants to talk about pre-emergent, this happens every time of the year. The most popular article on rosieonthehouse.com, and there's this new creepy thing, probably not new, but there's this thing I've recently discovered in the analytics of our website called Real Time. 
and I can look at it and see who's on our website and what pages they're visiting. And we've got seven people from all around the country, including, uh, what is this place? This is O'Fallon. Have you ever heard of O'Fallon? Looks like it's somewhere around Missouri. Uh, Breckett Ridge and Cincinnati and Ohio. We've got somebody out of Florida all looking at the same article. Will 7-Up extend the life of my Christmas tree? <laughs> Will 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want me to comment on that? <laughs> uh, your thoughts. <laughs> the, water, the water that you're putting in the Christmas tree bowl will certainly help. If 7-Up if is what makes you keep that bowl full, then by all means, do it. You know, uh, we, we have found that any method it takes to get people to keep that reservoir full, do not ever let it run out of water. Um, that that's what really, uh, really is the is the trick to that. I think it catches people by surprise how much that cut tree sucks up the first time you fill it, especially the first day or two. The first day or two. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know I mean that the the vascular system of that plant is still functioning, so it still take wanting to take up water. And that's usually what happens is they, they put a little water in it, boom, go away. Don't check it for a couple of days. It's then dry. Once it dries out, you know, it's pretty much that seals over or starts to seal over. It, it will discontinue to, to soak up or take up that water. And that's when your tree really starts to dry out in a hurry. So don't let it run out. Add seven. If, if having a bottle of seven up there <laughs> helps you remember to keep water in it, then do it. Let's bring Chris into the conversation and see how we can help keep weeds down at his house. Good morning, yeah, Chris. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Thank you, and to you as well. You know, we could start a new Arizona rumor and just tell people if you grind up some tilapia that your other buddy's raising and put it in the Christmas tree, it'll keep it green for a month. <laughs> keep, sure, keep all the unwanted visitors away. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. So, uh, just kind of quick wondering before it starts to get maybe rainy in the spring, is there really a good time to get some pre-emergent out to keep the weeds down? Well, any time's a good time, but if you wanted to time it perfectly— Generally, early spring, so February, March, and again in in fall, September, October, are okay. the two best times because those kind of precede our our rainier times of the year. Um, okay. But pre-emergent starts to work as soon as it's you know activated into the soil with moisture. Um, so from today on, it would start working. It would work for so many days. That's that's what you have to kind of watch is, okay, when do I need to apply it again? Um, once you start going with it, you don't want to let that, uh, for lack of a better word, expiration date run out. Um, you know, most pre-emergence, and depending on how, how strong or what concentration of them you put on, will have a certain amount of effective date um, or certain, certain length of time that it's effective for. So that's a that's a follow the label, you know, when all else fails, read directions, right? So we we do that, and we see when we need to apply it again. So once you start, just get on a system. Again, find some way that will remind you, uh, you know, trigger dates. You know, when we feed citrus, we think of Valentine's, Memorial Day, and Labor Day. So any way to help you remind you to put that pre-emergent on two or three times a year, just just start doing it and don't stop. There's a... 
14 people on that article about 7-Up now. <laughs> well, now they are. Yeah, you keep talking about it, there'll be half a Phoenix will be on there pretty quick. Okay, if not 7-Up, how about Sprite? <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> Guys, my take on that is it's the little bit of sugar in those soft drinks that might help it be helping the tree a little. Caro syrup, you know, is in one of the old recipes, a little bit of, you know, light caro syrup. Yeah, might help some. Let's head east on 60 a little bit. Take a little stroll up the Globe and see how we can help Dave this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. I'm uh, building a property up in the high desert, up in Globe, and uh, there's not a lot of trees up in this particular area. Everything is, you know, short brush uh Type looking, and I'm wondering what type of trees would would grow up in that particular area. Are you looking for shade trees mainly, or what? What are you trying well, to do? Sh- shade and just you know something that looks that grows more than five feet off the ground. <laughs> well, you're at a you're at a great elevation to grow fruit trees. I mean, there's a bunch of different apples and pears and peaches and plums and apricots that will all do well at that elevation. Um, you can you can do a lot of the shade trees we do down here, and and some different. But pines would work very well there. Chinese pistachio would work very well there. Mulberries, which you can plant in Gila County, you can't here in in the Phoenix area. But mulberry is a good, fast-growing, big shade tree. Um, so there's a there's a bunch of different. You're right on the cusp of probably planting some things. You know, like some of the maples, but you could certainly use purple leaf flowering plums, flowering pears. Um, there, there's a there's some great choices. The things that don't require a, a, a lot of water, since I'm going to have to haul my own water. Well, Chinese pistachio is very good drought tolerant. Um, how far do you have that. to haul, and how big's your tank you're hauling? Yeah, well, <laughs> right. You know, you can still. Well, you know, I. I only have to haul it about uh, five or six miles, and I got 500 and a 750-gallon tank. So, Well, you know, certainly Chinese pistache is good. Most of the pines are actually pretty drought-tolerant, especially at that elevation. Wouldn't be, you know, of course, starting them probably now in the cooler weather would be a great uh, idea for you, too, because it doesn't take as much water for them to stay and get established, um, as opposed okay. to waiting till spring to do that when you'd have to be you know, watering them every day for a few days. So I would encourage you to plant this fall. Um, and, uh, you know, you should be able to seek out some information as well from the from the Gila County County Extension. Um, uh, trying to think of nurseries, Golden Hills Nursery and Claypool um, would be the, the local nursery up there, as I recall, um, that you might actually seek out for some advice. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Dave, uh, this is Dave Smith. Uh, Dave, this is Dave Smith. Make sure uh, you set up some barrels to capture any uh, water running off your roof for the infrequent rains that you do get as, since water is such a scarce yeah, I've, commodity. Yeah, I've got a gutter, gutter system and things like that all, all over the property that's uh, going to be catching uh, the rainwater and, and that so that, you know, it's free. Very good. Perfect. Well, we appreciate the call, and if you have any questions, uh, 
along your way and you're the property you're building and the house you're developing, hey, you know the number. Just ring us back and we're happy to help you along the way. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. And you might be a candidate for the home maintenance calendar too. Once it's up and done, you can. Uh, it's something we're putting together for Rosie's thirtieth anniversary. We have a bunch of things we've put it together. We what started as one little task has just snowballed into these huge projects that have been a lot of fun. And one starting with the home maintenance calendar. You just uh, through the end of the broadcast today, you just email us and let us know you want a home maintenance calendar, and you'll be on the mailing list for the first flight. It's free. It goes out. You have to email us your mailing address. Yeah. (laughs) It's a physical calendar. Each month, we talk about a different part of the house. January is all hardscapes. February is all pest control. March is windows and doors. April is outdoor livings. May is the garage. June is roofing. July is air conditioning. August is water, September, back into gardening, because that's our premier planting season, and the lower elevations. Uh, October. Don't look at me. October, October, October. <laughs> I know November we go into home finances. So, and, and each one of those months, you'll have different to-dos to keep up with your home maintenance at your house, home, castle, or cabin. Get a free copy by emailing us your address to info mm-hmm. at Rosie on the house dot com and we're we're printing a, a passel full <laughs> so yeah if you want we've one, never done it before so we just told everyone be prepared to go as high as forty thousand yep so get your free one by texting email email info at roseonhouse.com <laughs> mr dave smith master gardener at st vincent paul thanks a million for coming in we really appreciate getting to know you and congratulations on all the success you're having there at the garden yeah thank you so much and Mr. John Junker, Director of Ascension Support Services for the State of Arizona, thanks for all you do in supporting all the folks and homeowners in the great state of Arizona. Thank you, Rosie, to you and the, the whole Rosie on the House family and, of course, all our listeners. All right. And with that said, what, you going to hit me with that hammer? No, no. I was just going to show uh, Mr. Junker. We all uh, One of the things that we're doing for our 30, Rosie's 30th anniversary is a little fundraiser, giving back. We've put together seven hand tools every homeowner must have that are all custom etch Rosie on the house. One of our three nonprofits is uh, St. Vincent de Paul. Check, check out that finished hammer. Sales will help support our donations to St. Wow. Vincent de Paul. Good looking hammer, S-wing, isn't it? S wing, leather grip, That's true American made ironwork. Uh, what, what a great uh, Christmas <laughs> gift idea. Huh? We Holiday thought so. Gifts? All so. right. Nine, nine o'clock hour, it's open line. You can get online and call us if you've got a holiday project you're trying to get done around your house, home, castle, or cabin. Get online now at one 767 4348 We'll also be highlighting Habitat for Humanity, another one of the Romero's favorite statewide charities in Arizona.